Hello and welcome to the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward alongside Jay File. And uh, it's been a little bit, but uh, we are getting a little closer to March. So it's only right that we talk about Michigan and Michigan State basketball as we have a little bit more of an idea of an identity of where these two schools uh, stand. And right now, one is trending up as we get closer to March, and one is trending down as we get closer to March. And Jeremy, I've got a bit the uh, opposite of what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, really strange. Um, definitely, if someone would have told me Michigan State would have nine losses at this time of the year, I'd say you're crazy. Um, I thought that you'd be on something that you clearly didn't know anything about this basketball program. Uh, gosh, there'd be a lot of things. And, and sorry, I, you know, we've had quite the problems with audio and all the different issues of being a father that Tyler isn't me, but, you know, we, we're doing this show, so bear with us. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's shocking, Tyler. It's shocking to me, <laughs> considering how good Michigan State was and is, because I still want is, because I still think they're very good still. But it's just, surprising what the record is i'll say that michigan not surprised at all um but i but i am surprised in a way considering how the season started well i want to say i'm surprised michigan just in regards that you and i have talked about obviously you know the isaiah livers injury issue and that's been something that's kind of derailed this team and while we knew that it hurt this wolverines team i think the extent of what it hurt them wasn't fully felt until he actually came back and was like, "Hey, y'all remember?" No, no and question. I think that yeah. uh, I like I, I feel like what he's done with this, like I feel like this is gonna I, he's not gonna be all Big Ten first team. Let's be real, but I feel like this is something that you know he can actually like sneak a couple of votes and you know what uh, with what he meant to the team, even though his numbers aren't the sexiest by any stretch of the imagination and anything he really does, you know, being that six, seven ish, six, eight, whatever it is type player who on the perimeter in all honesty, I think the injury might've improved his draft stock because you realize all of the stuff that he does that doesn't show up in the box score. I think what it really does, Tyler, number one, all the things you said are absolutely true. Number two, the thing I don't think enough people talk about, is I think it opens it up for everybody else. I think what it's doing is it's allowing Eli Brooks to have more freedom because now he's not a guy that they're paying more attention to. It's allowing uh, Xavier Simpson to have another option through, through ball screen action. It's allowing guys to pressure the ball more, knowing they have a veteran defender who's long like Isaiah Livers. And it just helps him a lot of different areas. But I really think on offense it's helping him because, Tyler, when you watch him now, he hits shots at, at a high rate. And they're tough shots where if you close out even, he's going to hit it. Or he gets to the rim and attacks better than people will realize. Um, the things I'm starting to see with Isaiah Livers, I probably didn't give him enough credit. I, I just I said this last week with you. And, oh, I don't think either yeah, of us and, did. And I think that he – all the things that that coaching staff had mentioned about him in the offseason, there's a reason now. But here's the thing. I want people to be – you know, let's keep it in mind because we, we do this a lot, and it's easy for us to do this as sports people. We get on this trend thing, and we also need to realize Michigan has not beaten a really good team on the road still. So we got to understand sure. that they got to go at Rutgers, and if you beat Rutgers on the road with Isaiah Livers, 
uh, that would be big. That would be big, and I would say, yes, they're much different. They're much better. And, uh, you know, that's what we could say. You know, and I think that's got to be noted. Yeah, well, here, here's something that I think helps them. In their cases, we have uh, Jordan File joining yeah. us on the show as well. Apparently. I told you this is the but, this show is getting getting deep, man. We got we got people singing in the back. Yeah, we do. I'm walking away. We, we get some. <laughs> you know, we had you know you had Nathan Moss, and now we're adding uh, your son to the show. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I get home relatively quickly, we might end up adding Grace. So yeah, you know, it's you know we're we're. Developing his staff here, and we're getting ready to. Take I don't even have level. time to do this. That's the you know. I hope people realize this that when you have children, you have no time for anything. I hope people realize that, especially something that doesn't yeah. pay. On, on the and... with the podcast show, we're having trouble figuring out uh, what Jordan is saying. Oh, he said go blue. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. He, I don't think he does. Okay. I mean, we but going back to what you said about Rutgers, I, I think that this is a matchup that ultimately can end up favoring Michigan because you look at a guy like Isaiah Livers, and we talked about it. I'd say his one comparable counterpart in regards to what he brings to the team, obviously this guy is a little bit more of a bruiser and a little bit more physically intimidating though they are about the same height it's ron harper jr and i think that it's such a great matchup for livers and it's going to be in a like that game is going to come down to you know who wins that matchup because you do have guys like geo baker going to go off regardless and uh but you talked about it eli brooks has been a big beneficiary of what uh, Livers brings to the table. And I think that his ability to stretch it out kind of as a uh, – he is a little undersized still, but as an undersized stretch forward, really uh, increasing the uh, play of Austin Davis as well. I think that, again, going back to what I noted, I think when Isaiah Livers is out on the court, people just feel much more confident. I, I think what one guy can do is a whole lot of things with – the confidence is huge. I mean, I think Eli Brooks feels like, hey, now I'm that third option, sometimes fourth. This is great. They can forget about me. I can come off a curl screen like they did, and he was wide open. He went down there and shot a beautiful floater. And I'm like, wow, where has this Eli Brooks been? And really, uh, he's had good moments, even when Livers was playing at the beginning of the season. I just think that when you're really called on, well, yeah, he had 27 points yeah, early you know, the Iowa game, he was – without him, they would have lost by 25-30. I mean, he was everything in that game. And without Eli Brooks, it gets Iowa a blowout. But um, it's not that he hasn't had really good games. It's just I think what it does is how amazing is, is it if he's the fourth option or the third option. That's great. I mean, that's a great for your team when, you know, Simpson's going to have the ball all the time. He's going to come off screens all game like they've done all year. And sometimes they want to give it to Teske. They really want to get it to Livers. And, oh, by the way, Eli Brooks is pretty good. And then what you just said, Austin Davis, I mean, I can't say enough. I mean, he's finally getting some notoriety from what he's been doing. And, and he's a local kid. We, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about him coming, you know, coming up, being from small-town Michigan, kind of like us. But he's really gained great minutes. And, uh, hey, look, I, I know they're trending up. It looks good. This is a good team. But. Uh, again, I think that you got to see him beat a Rutgers on the road. You got to see him um, play really well at Maryland at the end of the year. Hey, maybe upset Maryland. Who knows? You know, they got to win some road games at Ohio State's a huge game, huge game for Michigan. And uh, 
they're still look still sixteen and nine. Still some tough games there at Ohio State, at Maryland, at Rutgers. Ooh, you know those are three tough road games. And then obviously, uh, I believe what I think Nebraska's at home. I think Wisconsin's at home. Wisconsin's still tough. They're playing well. Uh, Wisconsin obviously losing a few guys, you know, or losing one guy, you know, hurts them and King, but, but yeah, I mean, it's still a tough schedule. Look, you're still nine losses as great as they've looked lately, especially five out of the sec, you know, five out of the last six wins, you know, games they've won. Uh, I, I still need to see one or two road wins in those three because um, it's still tricky for me. You know, like, let me ask you this, Tyler. Um, what happens if they lose all three of those games on the road? I mean, now you're like, ooh, 12 losses. Man, you know, now you're really, really pushing it. I, I think I think it becomes a little dicey. And, and we've been talking with Michigan, their tournament hopes, ultimately. And I think that they're pretty safe right now, um, just with how they've played. Uh, they did pick up a signature win against Michigan State. So that's looking a little less impressive. Um those three games, though, look, if they win the games they're supposed to, they're yeah. at. And ultimately, you know, that could be losing at the Rack against the Rutgers. That could be losing um, – that could be losing in Maryland. Yeah. And it's, it's if you lose your road games, like, you're still in good shape. Yeah. You're, you're still in good shape. You've made a little bit of noise late in the season. That's – when these teams that, you know, you kind of question throughout a majority of the season, that's when these teams are usually on the safe end of yeah. things. And so business like they're supposed to, I think they're set. Win one in the Big Ten tournament, you know, just for uh, safety sake, and you're it's good crazy to go. with the net ranking, you know, they're, they're ranked, what, 31 with the net ranking, which, you know, honestly is like, wow, I didn't know they were ranked that high. Some people had them ranked even higher than that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's like really weird when you look at Michigan because, for me, I just see the losses, and I probably shouldn't look at the losses as much as I do. But, you know, I'm probably a little too old school, Tyler, on that, where I go, man, if you got nine losses, I mean, you know, you get to 11, 12 losses, that's that's hard to make the tournament. Well, that's changed a lot. They, they really do take into consideration now the strength, the strength of the schedule, the strength of the Big Ten, some of their big wins that are against other highly net-ranked teams. Uh, so, yeah, I think Michigan's doing okay. But, but, again, you know, you lose two or three of those road games – you know, you slip up and lose Wisconsin possibly. Look, these are all worst-case scenarios. I get it. But, man, you know, it, it's still a lot of work to be done for Michigan. And, um, you know, for Michigan State, you know, I think that there's not that talk. You know, they're, they're only one game ahead, really. They're 17-9. and nine. Their Big Ten record's way better. But, well, I wouldn't, shouldn't say way better. It's only one game better technically, too. But you get my point. You know, they're not talking about Michigan State that way, where, hey, this is scary for them. But I think with their schedule remaining, they'll be fine. You know, I don't really even see them. You know, who is their toughest game well, left? I mean, you know, it's at, at Maryland. Is, and then besides that, though, I mean, I don't see anything on that schedule where I go, ooh, they should lose it. No, you get you get Iowa at home, which is always uh, – I mean, Iowa always plays Michigan State tough, but they've had their issues at the Breslin Center. Michigan State, though, lately has had issues at the Breslin Center the last couple of games. And – I still think that this is one of those games that, you know, Michigan State's got the defensive prowess in the post. To, look, there's no stopping Luca Garza. He's the Big Ten player of the year, unquestioned this year. Um, I think that they can at least slow him down a little bit and make life a little tough for him. Yeah. And you've seen that happen uh, the last couple dominant bigs that Michigan State's played. 
you know, it took Jalen Smith a while to get going. Um, they shut down oh, – I'm going to butcher his last name. It ends in Beely, though, let's just say that, for Illinois. <laughs> just completely shut him down. Actually cut his minutes uh, dramatically and uh, slowed down Kofi Coburn both times. So they do have the firepower up front. I think to maybe contest Garza, you put a guy with Bingham's wingspan on him. Yeah, he's going to get absolutely destroyed in the paint. Yeah. But um, Michigan State does do a good job with help and recovery. Um, like we said, uh, they didn't do it against Michigan, but that is the staple of the Tom Izzo program that nobody really talks yeah. about. You do have that Iowa game. You've got at Nebraska. You get Ohio State at home on uh, Cassius Winston's last game at the Breslin Center. And so, the, like, they're safe. Yeah. Uh, mostly past their tough stretch. Like I said, they do have Maryland on the road, which is going to be absolutely brutal. But let's go back and let's talk about some of the reasons for optimism, though. Um, because I felt the second half of that Maryland game, Aaron Henry showed me something. Rocket Watch showed me something up until at least the last two minutes. Now, here's the deal. Those guys have not locked in like that defensively all season long. I haven't seen Aaron Henry play defense like that since he was guarding the second-best perimeter player on every team with uh, Matt McQuaid taking on the first. I have not – and here's the funny thing about that is we talked at the beginning of the season with a guy like Josh Langford. As his offense goes, his defense goes. Well, you saw Aaron Henry locked down in the second half of the Maryland game. Was was not good in the first half at all. Locks down in the second half defensively. And then all of a sudden, his offensive game is brilliant. It's everything that I expected it to be all season long. Yeah, no, they, they play fantastic in the second half. Is this something where those two guys can keep that up? Obviously, Watts had a couple breakdowns at the end of the game. But uh, he is a freshman. You know, he went in to dig on Henry's guy, and he kind of stood there for a second as opposed to uh, retreating on uh, Cowan in the corner, which was, you know, ultimately the dagger. But it's something that – if those two guys keep it going, I think this team can win it all. If they play like that, though, it has to be those two guys playing like that. Michigan State played fantastic in the second half. You know, a lot of guys played really, really well besides – Xavier Tillman in the first half, nobody played that well. So, I mean, for them to be even in the game in the first half was, was big. And then they, the second half, they really took over. And really, yeah, I mean, the, the one team that they play against in the Big Ten that you just have to play well because they match up well is Maryland. Maryland has the players where they don't do anything on offense. I mean, that team in half court is brutal. I mean, they do nothing. It's basically get the ball to Jalen Smith, get it to Anthony Collins, get it to a few other guys and let them play. And, and that's just a team that does match up well, though. They're the one team that talent-wise and individual-wise, they can beat Michigan State by just doing that. Rocky Watts made a couple of decisions where it, he dug hard. The first one, he got out just too late. The second time, it was a really bad decision. He left him wide open when he dug in. And then the third time, that was a complete miscommunication with him and Xavier Tillman on the ball screen action. Those are three plays against Maryland that you can lose, where against other teams, you probably don't run into that. So Maryland is a very talented basketball team. So let's definitely not look too far uh, and, and point the finger at Michigan State being bad. Maryland's got some players. Um, but, yeah, they did look really good. And to your point that they could win it all if certain guys step up, absolutely. I mean, that's why they were ranked so high coming into the season. That's why they were ranked number one. Well, I think it has to be those two guys because you'll get what you get from Cassius. 
And I feel like Xavier Tillman's been the most consistent player the entire season, and I feel like it's going to be a real shame if he is not first team all big time. Yeah, it will be tough just because of how many players are good. You know, Garza, obviously. We've talked about the post players, you know, and have Kofi Coburn, who's just a hype machine. And, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's brutal for that position for him. But, yeah, he's been great. I mean, he's played really well. He's been consistent. He's had a couple of games where he missed some easy bunnies. But, yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been a double-double machine most of the season. He's really done some great things. So, yeah, hopefully he gets the uh, type of accolades he deserves. But, again, it's a tough position to be in when you have the big guys that you have in that, that conference. Um, but, yeah, no, he's been great. No. You know, he has been very, very good. There's no doubt. Yeah, go, going back to Henry and Watts, watching them kind of reminded me of something. Um, you know, I've not coached in a while, and obviously there's a big, big, big difference between a middle schooler and a college kid's mentality. But it reminded me of something uh, that I encountered when I was coaching, and that was we had this r- incredibly athletic kid. He was never going to be a starter. He was never. He was never going to start for us. We just had – a lot of talent at the three. We had a lot of talent at the four. There, there, there was no way this kid was going to start. He was a combo forward type, but he was easily our most athletic player. He ran a suicide once and beat everybody by at least 15 feet, beat everybody by at least a free throw line at the end of one of our practices. I sat there and I asked him, I was like, how, I was like, how did that happen? And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I thought I did good. And I was like, no, you did great. I was like, you obviously just crushed everybody. Outran them. I was like, why are you finishing third and fourth in a lot of our other sprints? I don't know. And I had to have a difficult conversation with it. I'm like, look, if you do not put that effort forth on the floor and you don't put that effort again in – these practices if you don't win every sprint the rest of the way out i was like you're gonna ride the bench <laughs> i want the i want the hardest working players on the floor. yeah and i feel like when you see what Henry and Watts did on a saturday is a well, can walk up to a guy like henry and say look that's the effort I want to see out of you. If you don't pull forth at least that effort, I don't care if you play good or bad, but if you don't pull forth that effort, we got a guy in Kyle Lawrence who will. Yeah. Kyle Lawrence has two months of basketball left his entire life, and he's been waiting for this moment. No, there's no question. And so you – There's no question. Let, let me intervene with this. I, these are great points, and this is what I wanted to get into, and I'm glad you mentioned it because you mentioned Kyle Lawrence, so it's – it's perfect what I was going to say, and I mentioned this earlier on our uh, page. You know, when I went live, I said, you got to really pick these eight guys and stick with them. And Kyle Arnes was one of those eight. I mean, he comes in, he hits shots when he's open. He's always going to give you what you want. He's going to play hard. And, and if Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown don't play as hard as they should, Kyle Arnes could come in and play that three spot. He can still bang with posts. He's got to be one of your guys. This leads into what I really wanted to talk about today. Michigan State has got to figure out, look, you know, we're going to stick with these eight from here on out. And I think those eight. Okay, well, let's play. Yeah, let's play this game. Who are those yeah, eight? I think those eight, in my opinion, are it's very simple. I, I think you start with what you started with. They've had really good starts with. Cassius and you know, Cassius, you know, at the point. Rocket at the two. Aaron at the three. Bingham at the four. Because they played well with him at starting the game. That's the only reason why. 
because Marcus Singham has not been fantastic yeah. by any means. He's just the way they start the game. I think he provides enough with rebounding and size. They've had good starts. And then obviously Tillman. He did, he did. He keeps other teams scared of driving to the post early because of that. Absolutely. And, and, and the Big Ten shot block leader in Xavier Tillman also. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, Gabe comes in and gives that punch off the bench. He can, you know, give you that energy and, and he has to give it. And he can hit some shots. He's super talented, athletic, um, really can play defense when he wants to. And then, you know, Kyle and Kithy are your guys that you, you just trust. You trust those two. They're going to do everything they can. They know the system. They're going to play as hard as they can. Kyle can hit shots. So Kithier's got to go in there and, and give um, minutes for Bingham right away. He's got to give – even if Tillman gets in foul trouble, he can go in there and give minutes. And then really 9 and 10, you know, you just say, hey, if we get in foul trouble, we got to figure out who those other, you know, one or two guys is. And it's probably still Hall, you know. And, and honestly, I, I hate to say this. This is hard for me to say because – I really love Foster Lawyer. I think he does provide shooting. Um, I think you're going to have to just say, you know what, Rocket at times is going to have to take the ball sometimes. We're going to let him run the point. So even if Cassius is out, I think you leave Rocket in at the point, and then you you know, you know play one of those other guys that we just mentioned. Uh, and that's the hard part because I think you know you want to play another point guard technically, but really Rocket Watts is a point guard. So um, I, I think it's, this, this is crunch time now. This is crunch time for Michigan State. Those eight guys I mentioned have to be your main guys. Hey, things happen in the game. It's great they have major depth because if someone gets in foul trouble, yes, you can play Foster Lawyer. You can play uh, Marble or Hall because they've gotten minutes. You know, they've been in there and played. So, But I think you're eight. You just really got to stick with those eight. You, you can't experiment anymore. Um, and if Malik Hall is doing that, look, one thing I have to say, there's practices. We don't see practice. Something happens in practice where maybe Malik Hall is just way better than Bingham in practice. and. He's way better than Kithier in practice. So what's, what is the coach going to do? He's going to play that guy. He, he can only go with what he sees. But I still, Yeah, he's going to give him an opportunity. Yeah, I just think with Malik being a freshman, I think that Kithier gives you the size that he doesn't. He, he, he gives you a better rebounding punch inside. So that's kind of why I put him over Malik. But I still think, I mean, if I had to tell you what – yeah, and I think what you're gonna ha- what's gonna happen though is I just truly don't think they're gonna go that route, Tyler. I think they're gonna do what they've done all year. They're just gonna figure out who they can play in those minutes, and they're gonna play a lot of guys. And I just don't think it's working. I don't think it's working. I mean, Gabe Brown was on the bench way too much in the second half. I mean, I don't think it mattered. They were playing so well, you can't argue it. But he, you I need think, him. I think there's an issue. I think there's a, a long-standing issue with Gabe Brown because he did not play at all. For Illinois, I mean, if he did, it was just a couple seconds, and he didn't play the second half. I feel like whatever illness that caught him, I feel like that is a little more outstanding than we realize. And I think it could be a situation where, you know, you go back and you look at Adrian Payne's senior year, and you're like, ooh, that mono sucks. Yeah, no, I mean. <laughs> that sticks with you. Yeah, you don't know. Like so, you don't know. Yeah, there's something out there that we probably don't know. <laughs> No comments on ever like came out and said it, but you know, that that's a type of situation that you know that can linger with you for a while. And maybe that's why we didn't see him as much. Yeah. I think that uh, there are certain uh, situations. Otherwise, though, like you, you nailed the eight. I think the eight is obvious. I feel like maybe they need to not play Winston so much, and where you would sacrifice a little bit more playing lawyer. You do play Watts there because there was an article coming out the other day. Watts came out and he said, I know I am the point guard next year. 
I thought that was great. I know it. Yeah, that's kind of why I piggybacked off that comment where I think, hey, if, if he's that confident, he knows it, you know, hey, we got to go that route. And, and I think it will. And it's plus, look, he's been a point guard. We know that. I mean, we watched him at the prep school level. We watched him in high school. We saw him in the And he, he's comfortable there. He's great with the ball. He's, he's dynamic with the ball. And, and yeah, and, and Foster's just – he's just not that good. I mean, not saying he's not a good player. He's just not as good as Rocket Watts. I mean, that's just okay. You know, that's not – there is here's the thing. Foster Lawyer, I think, has the skill set of any division one basketball player. The problem is he's got any power five basketball player, let me say that. Because the problem is is he has a major athleticism. Right. And that's ultimately what the issue is. Yeah. You know, you, you can sit there and you look at Watson as far as an athlete goes, uh Cassius Winston, not really an athlete, but enough of one to use the cerebral cerebral uh, aspects of the game to where he's able to take advantage of that and uh, still become, you know, the dominant force that he is where he, I mean, him and Garza, I feel like, are the only two, like, unanimous all Big Ten first team selections that we really have in this conference. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Cowan's going to lose votes to Simpson and you know, things like that. But I feel like though, that aspect or whatever, like that's what's really missing from Moyer's game. Moyer is, like I said, skill-wise, just so fantastic. But let's be real, he, he doesn't have that athleticism. And you saw it when he's trying to dribble around Cowan, how he yeah. got picked and how easy it looked for Cowan, who – you know, probably the most athletic point guard in the Big Ten. Yeah. And it, so it, I just feel like it's a mismatch situation. And you said it. It's a good thing to have a guy that deep on your bench, a guy who knows what he's doing, a guy who when you see when you see the team break the huddle, he's directing Cassius Winston. And he 